Welcome everyone to episode 198 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin and Liam Toher as we discuss Liverpool's 3-0 win over Southampton in the FA Cup. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So Liverpool through to the last eight or the sixth round of the FA Cup, whatever you want to call it. Despite a swathe of injuries, their young team got the job done. Lewis Kumas and Jaden Dan scoring their first goals for the senior team. Dan's with a double late on after Kumas had opened scoring just before half-time. And it caps off a memorable week for Liverpool where despite so many absentees, they've managed to get the job done in three competitions, obviously either side of winning the Carabao Cup last weekend. Um, and the reward um, for going through is a tie against our rivals Manchester United, which we'll talk about later in the podcast. But we'll start like we normally do with our three-yard match reviews. And um, Chris, there's only one place to uh, to begin really, and that's with Danzu, who's come on from the bench um, and got a couple of goals in one of the most sort of memorable cameos, most memorable moments of the season, really. And just like magic, it leads into my three-word review of Dan's the man. He is honestly, it, it it's quite awe-inspiring, really, just to see a young lad, boyhood Liverpool fan, come on in his first week as a professional footballer. He plays a big part in the fourth goal against Luton. He plays so well in the Carabao Cup final at Wembley in his cameo and scores two after coming on at substitute Anfield last night, both at the cop end as well, which would make it even more magical. Um, I think it's important not to hype him up too much because you just want to let him play his own game. And we've seen it so, so far, so many times in the past where a young player is really, really talented, but they just don't get the room to develop and next thing you know, injuries form and, and everything. And he's already had his fair share of that because he's had this late growth spurt, such if you like, which actually kept him out for, for a fair amount of time. But, there's a lot. It's not just the goal scoring with Jaden Dance. It's the movement. It's the awareness. It's he, he's very clinical at youth level, but he goes into these games that I've seen him so far, just treating it like it's the same pitch. It's the same part of grass that I'm playing on. It's just I'm playing up against different people. I'm just going to have to adapt my game, and he's doing that really, really well. I've said it a few times about his first goal that if you showed someone. The movement of the ball, for example. So you take out chain dance out of the entire picture, but you, you show the movement of the ball at the finish. And you didn't tell someone who the goal scorer was. I genuinely think, look, if you'd have said it was Harry Kane, if you'd have said it was Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, put any decent goal scorer in there, you'd say that's a great finish every single time. And that's the biggest testament that I can pay to Jaden Dan's in terms of that finish. And of course, there were more good performances as well. Uh, Kumas, Connell again, Clark again, who's just getting better game on game on game. But rightly so, Jaden Dan's getting all the headlines. And I'm really excited to see how he develops. And I think he's at the right club to be developing. And I think it's at the right club to keep him on the ground and keep working hard. Yeah, we won't put too much pressure on him, but we will throw out a, a Kane and a Ronaldo comparison <laughs> straight off the back. But um, no, I take your point because it, it was like a really uh, composed finish, um, the kind that you don't normally see from a young player in fairness. And um, 
the movement as well was something that, that I was going to say, just sort of that diagonal run and kind of got those sort of predatory striking instincts. And also, I mean, the second goal, it's not like the prettiest goal that that's ever going to be scored, but there's a, a lot to be said for kind of being the first to react in that scenario as well. So um, really, really encouraging for him. And, you know, everything you hear about him in terms of youth level and his record this season and stuff, you know, maybe he could be the next one who, who kind of makes that jump up to the first team. One little small thing as well. On his Instagram, he's now got 166,000 followers. There's no captions. It's just cold. Hmm. You know, as, as the kids would say, it's just cold on his Instagram. Just post a picture, no captions, and just reels in the likes. That's when you know he's a baller. No, but you, you have to... I mean, stuff like that is obviously only little, but like you know, it, it's always good when a young player stays, stays humble. Um, it, yeah. It's important, obviously. And um, I mean, what about you, Liam? It's... It's just brilliant to see, and you can't help but be so delighted for him at the individual level. You know, obviously, we're all Liverpool fans. We don't really care who scores, but when something like this happens, it, it does seem to be extra special. Oh, 100%. Um, and again, that's going to lead me into my pre-order view, which is dreams come true, which they more certainly did for Louis Kumas and Jason Jaden Jens last night. And... Um, like, I think it's almost easy to forget that it was only nine days ago, in, in fact, not even eight full days ago at, at the time of recording, that Jaden Dance had never played a single minute of senior football. Like, he came on as, as a sub for that late cameo against Luton, and got just, like, just over half an hour against Chelsea on Sunday, and again, winning a Carabao Cup final at Wembley in only a second ever appearance. And then he goes and scores twice at Anfield, so... It's like for us, it's incomprehensible just how that young lad must be feeling after a week like that. Um, same, same with Louis Kumas, um, first ever appearance last night at Anfield, gets a goal and gets it at a really good time as well because you know, that first half was a difficult watch for the most part. Um, understandably disjointed with all the changes, um, but there probably was a sense that but perhaps like a more clinical Southampton would have definitely been leading going into halftime um, only for their own prof- profligacy up front and up pops the, the young lad to score in, in, in the nick of time, giving us an intimate lead and a platform to build upon. Um, and of course, let's not forget that there was another debut handed out last night to Trainee Oni, still only 16. Um, I'm about to frighten a lot of your listeners here by saying that he was born five weeks after the 2007 Champions League final. Right, just to end, another kind of stat I've come across is that he's... Jürgen Klopp has actually been manager for more than half a training only his lifetime. Hmm. That's how young... <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a close-run thing, but... It, it, they, that, I mean, it's... Imagine being 16 and coming on to play for Liverpool at Anfield. Like, it's remarkable. In this, I mean, I know you could say, oh, it's because of circumstance and... Um, so with so many players injured and etc etc but the, the <clears> crux of the matter is that these young men have been thrown in you know, like Trent was a few years ago like Curtis Jones maybe four years back like Gerald Kwanzaa and Conor Bradley earlier in the season and they've risen to the challenge you know, they haven't sort of looked like deer in the headlights you know, wanting their more experienced teammates to help them along they've stepped up um, and it showed last night, and it's just tremendous to see from from a Liverpool perspective. Um, I can only imagine other clubs must be looking at us thinking, they must be sick with envy. 
You've got the stat as well that Trey Ione was born four days before Fernando Torres signed for Liverpool. Oh, I like that one. I think um, <laughs> it, it it's sort of it's mad to be talking about players who you know the big thing was sort of are they born before or after Istanbul? To to think that we're talking about sort of players who were born like after Athens now is just um, it's just a mad one. Um, to be honest, and it will take a little bit of uh, of getting used to, especially if he's uh, someone who goes on to forge a significant career at Liverpool. But, um, you know, in terms of the game generally, I mean, actually, I'll start with Dan's. I, I went with Stuff of Dreams, so very similar to, to your review, um, Liam. And uh, what kind of struck me was the interview after the game. And it sounds strange, but like, he, I felt like I was looking at kind of a year 11 in my old school. Like everything about him just kind of screams that. And that's just what kind of, it almost drove it home for me to like to look at it and just realise sort of the youthfulness and, and what it must mean to him in that moment. And even saying like, you know, all of his family was there, his nan was there in the stands and stuff, you know. You find yourself with almost like a tiny lump in your throat. And I do think he looked quite emotional as he was leaving the pitch. Um just because the amount that, you know, there's, there's a lot of players who were sort of seasoned veterans and they scored so many goals for Liverpool and it's just, it's just business for them. But we're talking about people actually realising the, the goals that they've dreamt about ever since they can remember, you know, before your eyes. And there is something like really sort of, you know, lovely about that, um, just on kind of a human level. So that was the the outstanding thing from, from that game. Um, in terms of the match itself, um, you've alluded to it already, Liam. Liverpool were lucky to win. Southampton had a lot of uh, big opportunities. They didn't make the most of them. There wasn't, to be honest, many of them where they even, you know, forced as good a save out of Calero as they should have um, as well. So they'll have to be really disappointed. I think everything from them was impressive. I mean, they made changes and they were facing a weakened Liverpool team, but the way they played out from the back for the most part was really good. Um, and, yeah, it was one of those where they literally would just get up to the penalty area and then they wouldn't be able to apply that finishing touch. And Liverpool could easily have lost that game last night and that's not a criticism of Liverpool by any means. You know, this was a side that had Joe Gomez starting as a permanent midfielder in a sign of kind of how depleted they were, although that wasn't maybe 100% necessary with the personnel. That just gives you an indication into what club's dealing with right now. So it, Liverpool were always going to have to ride their luck to get through and they did. And 3 0 is obviously a scoreline that flatters them. But ultimately, I suppose you could say on the other side, you know, they took their opportunities. They were very clinical in this match. Um, whereas Southampton were very wasteful. And ultimately, ultimately, Liverpool go on to win this competition. You know, the record books aren't going to show that they uh they struggled in this game or that Southampton um were unfortunate. It's just going to show that Liverpool got the job done. Um so we'll see what happens now in the next round. Just before we move on to some other players from last night, Chris, I mean, how did you see the actual game generally? It's one of them, isn't it, where we can't, I suppose, get too bogged down almost in how the performance actually went because when you saw the lineup, it was just a case of get through, but whatever means you can, and to come away with a 3 0 win at the end of all of that is pretty amazing, really. Honestly, the lineup was actually stronger than I thought it was going to be um, because after 120 minutes, I was surprised to see like Van Dyke in there. Um, I thought that it was quite clever from Klopp actually from the management side to to play Van Dyke for forty five minutes, play Canate for forty five minutes, and I think that tells you maybe that 
in amongst all the options, that is that really is his preferred centre half partnership of Van Dijk and Canate. Just that he's obviously Van Dijk goes without saying, but he sees like Canate as almost a second leader. And there was one point when Canate was in a one-on-one battle in the right back area, and he just absolutely makes a muggery of the Saints attacker. Um, I think it was Suleimana, and it just absolutely. Muscles him off the ball, wins it back, and that's just the sign of how much Canate is progressing. Um, and as a whole, yeah, look, Saints will be waking up this morning wondering why they aren't in the quarterfinals. To be honest, it could—I don't think it's an—I don't think it's an overstatement to say within the first half hour it could have been four nil. Um, there were obviously one of them was rightly called offside, but he should be timing his run better, Sekumara. And there were massive opportunities. Um, Sulemana, of course, has previous against Liverpool from the final day of the season. Uh, Sekumara is still quite raw. Um, speaking to a few Southampton fans, and one of my good friends is a Southampton fan. That, that is the kind of overriding feeling about Mara. And then the big one in the second half, really, is the Shea Charles chance at the far post. And you can tell he's not someone that's accustomed to scoring goals when he panics when he doesn't have to. And I don't know whether you have the XG there or not, Dave. I haven't actually had a look at it myself or not. Um, it wouldn't have surprised me if Southampton's XG exceeded Liverpool's last night. Um, but ultimately, real G is better than XG. I think we all <laughs> agree on that front. And ultimately, character had to be shown by many. And it was another example of Liverpool having the backs up against the wall. Um, but ultimately, having strength in depth, that we didn't know that there was there at the start of the season with the youngsters and just realising how good they are. And there's a big realisation now that Liverpool are in three competitions with five games before the international break in the space of just over two weeks. So these lads are going to be called upon again. And they're showing everything to be able to say that they're good enough to deal with the pressure. Um, I suppose one player that I haven't really mentioned because I did criticise him earlier on in the season, his performances was Kelleher, um, just because he just didn't look himself, uh, even though he was arguably getting a bit, oh, getting some more games as well, playing in European football. But he has stepped up massively over the last two weeks, and he looks back to how confident that he once was, and he looks back, he looks genuinely. I've said it before, twenty-five, thirty million pound goalkeeper minimum sitting on Liverpool's bench for a lot of the time. I genuinely think that's what he's he's back to being. If he does move on in the summer, I think that's the minimum the kind of fee Liverpool should be demanding. So, yeah, um, de- determination and character all round to get through what was a difficult contest in the end. Yeah, if Liverpool do win multiple trophies this season, then um, we'll look back on it and say Keller played a, a key role. Obviously, some very big tests to confirm, still including um, that home game against Man City by the looks of it. Um, on the XG, um, Liverpool did actually just about shade it, one, 1. 1.89 compared to 1.71 for Southampton. Um, but what I would say is, obviously, there was a sort of semi-open goal at the end for, for Jaden Dans there. So um, that kind of probably inflated Liverpool's quite significantly. Um, obviously, Southampton kind of racking it up throughout the game. But, you know, um, like you say, um, what matters is who puts the ball in the back of the net at the end of it all. And... Um, yeah, I think, you know, just just to, to note, like to look at Mara and to look at Sulemana and how they played yesterday and to think, 
that they haven't really set the world alight. They're at Southampton is so surprising because um, I do think they were actually they were really impressive last night. Well, obviously the you know qualification there is that they're up against a, a very much weakened Liverpool side um, coming off obviously that final at the weekend. So um, it was a much easier game than um, you would expect ordinarily coming to Anfield this time of year. But uh, yeah, in the end they weren't able to sort of make the difference in the key moments. Um, just before we move on to kind of that Man United tie that's on the horizon, um, just to mention a couple of other players who impressed, and you've already said Calera Chris, um, only ended up actually making three saves yesterday, is what I mean about Southampton being wasteful, but I thought they were all very solid stops um, from him, to be fair, and he's really finding his form at the moment. So, you know, Mark, in our podcast after the final, was saying that kind of being in the team more often and, and getting that rhythm seems to have really benefited him. Um, and it's hard to argue with that. Um, so we had another really solid game. Obviously, comes away with the clean sheet. Big contribution there in terms of getting Liverpool through. And the other one, I'd say, would be Bobby Clark as well. Um, not seen too much kind of praise for him. Obviously, all the focus is on Dans and Kumas and and the like. But, you know, good work for the assists for the, the first goal. Sort of drives inside with the ball, plays the nice you know vertical pass into Kumas. I thought that was a really nice piece of midfield play from him. And then he also plays a role in the... Um, I think it's the is it the second goal for Dan's? Him and McAllister converge on a Southampton player near the touchline after a throw. Liverpool win the ball back, ends up with uh, Connor Bradley, I think, who who has a shot, and then the rebound comes to Dan's who scores. Um, so that that was really solid. And he, for me, you know, obviously Dan's is the one getting all the hype at the moment, and and sort of rightly so. But I, I said it at the weekend that. Clark to me feels like the one in that under 21 group who is the closest to kind of making that jump now and becoming a, a first team player maybe into next season. But obviously, you have to see what Liverpool's new manager thinks of him. I think, as well, with these kind of players now, they're at a kind of crossroads of look, they're getting game time because of injuries. But the next step for them is it staying with the group beyond this season? Is it a lone move? I you probably look at Bobby Clark, maybe compare him to Tyler Morton, for example. But Clark to me just looks like he can just slot in and not be phased. And I think that's one reason why look Liverpool rejected loan bids for him on the final day of the January transfer window. And that, that's something that has to be mentioned as well, because that's turned out to be very important. And I think he's a player that I would like to see stay at Liverpool and not go out on loan. And that's maybe a big statement because, look, he probably might prefer or get, get to a point where he's playing game time. But he just looks like someone who really is moulded into playing a certain way in this Liverpool team. And I think he could be very important going forward. And I, I would like to think he'll be part of the squad next season, arguably, in an even more important role. Yeah, I suppose that is the decision that Liverpool face. Although he was very good in the uh, the final as well. Um, another thing that I said on our episode on Sunday um, about how he was winning all of his challenges, it felt like. And uh, yeah, I suppose you look at you know some players who don't necessarily need that that loan step and can kind of just stay stay with the club and just sort of gradually work their way up. But then a lot of the kind of success stories in the current squad. I mean, you got Elliot, who was obviously brilliant at Blackburn. Kwanzaa went to Bristol Rovers. Bradley, you know, kind of the making of him was that Bolton spell last season. Um, so there might be kind of a, a feeling there of let's, you know, send him to that maybe championship team or, or something like that and um, sort of see how much he benefits from that because 
does seem to be how a lot of the current success stories have have come about really um just a final word on last night from you then Liam I mean is there anyone we haven't mentioned so far you think deserves a shout or someone else you want to add on one of the players who, who we have given some credit already yeah, just to build on, I know we touched on it earlier briefly, but um, just to expand, I think, on Joe Gomez, because um, we still kind of might think of him as this young, as this kind of youngster um, for all the world, but I mean, he's 26 now. He's actually he's the longest serving player in the current squad. Um, I think he was the third oldest player who featured last night, and as, we, as we've touched upon, he was thrown into a defensive midfield role for for the first time in his career and like Klopp even said it was his first time playing in that position and Joe as he always seems to do he just gets on with it like just I mean, somebody else might you know, might look like a fish out of water when they're alternating between left back right back centre back CDN and one, one week to the next but like Gomez is um, like I've seen like, like him being compared to a Swiss army knife in terms of just no matter what function you need him to do, Joe Gomez will do it. Um, as far as like James Minder was that kind of player for us for years. Um, but again, last, last night, uh, unfamiliar position, just made it look natural. And I think for the likes of um, McConnell and Clark and the other young lads, to have an experienced head like that, just guiding them through the game, must have been invaluable. And Gomez has probably been one of the big unsung heroes of not just last night, but of the season as a whole. Just rock solid, consistent, thankfully fit for the most part. I don't, I'm afraid to say that in case of Jinxman considering how things have been going. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to give him a bit of recognition as well. Uh, I know Klopp, I think, like almost referenced, they said something like he's saved our lives about 20 times this season. Um, and it's good to see him getting that, that praise in the manager. I, I totally agree about Klopp as well. By saying, the only time to shoot when it's three or four nil. Seriously, like I'm when when it, when it's nil nil. Don't don't tell me to shoot because you're blowing it over the bar. Okay. Only shoot when you can. You know what I mean. Only shoot when it's um right, or only shoot when he's uh, more comfortable than that. Don't tell him to shoot when it's nil nil and it's important times. <laughs> Yeah, um, certainly based on that uh, that one in the first half, which I think I don't know if it made it into the lower tier of the Anfield or whether it um, landed in the new one, but um, yeah, it was it was a close run thing between the two, and um, yeah, the, the thing I was going to say on Gomez was just that it feels like, and I might actually look this up while I'm talking here, it feels like the position he's actually played least this season is centre back, where he, you know, that's obviously his trade. Um, and I'll just actually check that now. He's played centre back four times, right back seventeen times, and left back fourteen times. Um, so that you know improves your point, Liam. I suppose about how he has been kind of that key versatile player. And I personally don't care too much who's in the England squad and who isn't. And um, for the Euros, and obviously we've got a squad selection coming up very soon. I imagine. And um, for the next international break, if Gomez isn't in there though, and I suppose you could say the same for Curtis Jones too, but he's he's been injured obviously recently, but. If Gomez isn't in there, then I would be a bit frustrated, I think, because I just wonder, you know, how much more he has to do to revive his international career at this point, especially because there are a lot of centre-backs not naming any names who don't perform at all for their club, don't play for their club, and then just end up in the squad um, every single time um, for whatever reason. I'm not actually sounding like I don't care here, but I promise you I actually don't. 
Anyway, um, next up, Liverpool in the FA Cup, Man United away. Um, Liverpool found that out before they actually kicked the ball yesterday um, with the draw happening before the match. Um, and that one will be happening in mid-March, just before the international break. Uh, Chris, I'll come back to you. Immediate reaction um, to that tie in the next round? Not amazing. Um, but I'm someone that always wants home draws. Uh, obviously, I'm back Liverpool against anybody at Anfield, um, trip to Old Trafford. Despite Manchester United being in their current form or their current gaze, if you like, um, it's never easy. I remember it was last season when we were all on this podcast and me and Liam both said exactly the same thing for the third game of the season when Liverpool went to Old Trafford and lost 2-1 after... United had just lost 4-0 at Brentford and lost to home to Brighton 2-1 first day of the season and everybody was saying, oh, Liverpool are going to rack up another 5-0 at Old Trafford. And quite frankly, I will never, ever, ever think that going into a game at Old Trafford. Um, what I will say, and I, I need to watch the goal back to see it entirely because I, I was working at the time, so I didn't get to see exactly how the Manchester United goal last night panned out. But I said on Sunday, Endo, the, the, the goal that Endo played a part in that got ruled out, you will see it a thousand more times this season and not get picked up on. The referee at Wembley was Chris Kavanagh. The referee at the city ground last night was Chris Kavanagh. One of them he deems interfering. The other one, he doesn't. It's just... It's not maybe maybe I'm delving more into the refereeing side than actually Manchester United here, but it's just a frustration, isn't it? It's just a frustration of no consistency. But that's a bit of a mini rant over. Um, the thing is about United, we can say that they're in not a great position, we can say that they've got injuries, or we can say that they're just not the team they once were. But Manchester United being Manchester United means they're always a result somewhere around the corner, no matter how poor they are. And that is why going into the game, I think there hopefully will be injuries back. It's not a game that, compared to this one, I think Klopp would be maybe as willing just to throw the kids in. I think he did at Wembley because I think he had to because I think everyone was dead on their feet. So I think it would be very different at Old Trafford. Um, but ultimately, Liverpool will be favourites going into the game, I'm pretty sure, obviously dependent on, on, on fitness and injuries. But uh, yeah. Not awful, not amazing is probably how I view the draw. Yeah, Liverpool obviously face United in the Cup um, in the behind-closed-doors uh, COVID season as well. I think they lost that game 3-2 when they were in sort of dreadful form and their kind of tailspin was just beginning that year. Obviously, the stakes are much higher this time with a place at Wembley on the line. I think, I think that was a third or fourth round tie that season. Um, this one, obviously in the quarters and they'll be playing them twice in the space of three weeks as well. Um, that game away in the league is one that I've sort of earmarked as an absolutely massive test um, in terms of Liverpool's title credentials because, you know, as much as Liverpool have obviously got a huge superiority in the table over United, how many times have they gone to Old Trafford in Klopp's tenure with an advantage over Man United and not been able to win? And obviously, there was the season where they they thrashed Man United, but that's kind of proven to be the outlier when you look at kind of his tenure more generally. So, with the atmosphere in that game and things like that, it's going to be 
a huge one, and hopefully they can win at least one of these uh, these games. And some people would have different opinions on which one um, they would want to win of the two, I suppose. But I mean, just looking at it, the rest of the ties you've got City v Newcastle, um, Chelsea v Leicester, and Wolves against Coventry. I believe is is the rest of the draw. So you'd you'd think that all those other ties, given the form Newcastle have been in this season, probably don't look like they can cause an upset away to City. So you think it's probably going to be City, Chelsea and Wolves as the other three teams in the last four. I mean, it's all hurtling towards another final between Liverpool and Chelsea at this rate. Um, don't but, say that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you're looking at it and this is the one where I'd say it is more up in the air, especially with obviously Liverpool being the away side. But they're clearly going to have... Um, it, it's, it's not going to be as we've seen for one or two other teams in the past, maybe they're not going to kind of breeze through to the final. They're going to have to play, um, going to have to play United obviously now, and then, uh, you know, at least one of City and Chelsea probably from here to, to win the cup. So, um, it's looking obviously a little bit uh, daunting, but Liverpool have got probably as good a chance as anyone, especially if those injuries clear up. One other thing to note as well is that Liverpool were meant to be playing the derby just before the international break. That one's now going to have to be rescheduled. Possibility that, that one crops up in the last week of the season. Now, Given the schedule, that's going to depend on Liverpool's progress in the cup and in the um, Europa League as well, which is obviously the you know that could be a pretty mental occasion, especially if Everton end up um, cutting it close with relegation and Liverpool are still obviously right in there in, in the title race. That could be one of the highest stakes derbies in years, especially at that stage of the season. So that's something to keep an eye on, um, in sort of the back of your mind, I suppose, um, in the weeks to come. But yeah, just to finish off then, Liam, your thoughts on the draw um, playing United and, and where Liverpool stand in the FA Cup now? Um, yeah, I, I mean, like we touched on, no matter how many points it might be clear at Man United, I hate going up against them. Like I always fear, I always have this feeling that the, the pleasure of beating them is dwarfed by the anguish of potentially losing to them or stumbling against them. Um, because you just know that the some some of their fan base are going to basically like they'd probably take winning the two matches against us, um, in exchange for being hammered in the derby on Sunday, and you know, losing a few other a few other matches and um, throughout throughout the season. They'd take being humiliated at home by Sheffield United if it meant they could beat beat us, like because that's just their what some some are like. Um. Yeah, and again, the, the timing of it coming just at, at the end of again real hectic run of fixtures. Um, a week after the City game, just after the, the home leg against against Sparta Prague. Um, you know, it, I suppose that that one in one way is to, like the price of success for Liverpool. That the I suppose the flip side of like going for all these trophies is that we invariably will have, um. A lot of fixtures so so close up together, and I think that's been borne out in the number of injuries that we've had over the last few few weeks and months. So um, yeah, it's 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 not exactly a game I'm looking forward to. Um, I never really look forward to playing against Man United, and um, I know we've had some very special times against them, like the certain like one particular match at Anfield this time last year, <clears throat> but um. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the other side of that is how look at the adversity Liverpool have had to overcome this season. Um, even the, look at the adversity they've had to overcome the last two games, and we found a way. So 
again, that I'm actually I'm back at the stage now where I'm going into every match thinking Liverpool have a, have a chance here. We have a real chance here. Um, even the one against City in in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah, I would probably I would prefer not to get Man United, but look, that's that's just our lot for now. So let's just cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, and it just sort of realises you were talking there that you're speaking of adversity, Liverpool to win this competition might have to be Arsenal and Man United away from home and then City and Chelsea at Wembley. Um, so it could have to go down even with the uh, the draws against uh, Norwich and Southampton. It would have to go down as one of the hardest cup runs. Um, I suppose if that ends up being how it pans out, but we'll see. And that Sparta Prague tie that you mentioned is going to be an interesting one too in the sense that a lot of the young players now when you look at the rest of the schedule, if the injuries clear up, and hopefully they do, that's one where you think, is that one of the last opportunities they have? Whether that's going to be using them in the first leg, taking a bit of a risk there, or trying to kill the game in that first leg, and then resting players the week after. Um, that, to me, looks like the outstanding one now, in terms of giving them some more significant minutes by the end of the season, but we'll obviously see what happens there. But yeah, we'll leave it there for this podcast. Hectic period of the season, Liverpool back in Premier League action, trying to continue their title charge at the weekend away to Forest. Um, which won't be easy because they've obviously just dropped down a place in the table. So that game's taken on a new significance for them with Everton's points deduction being reduced. Um, so we'll see how Liverpool get on there. We'll probably be back on Sunday with our match reaction for that one. So make sure you stay, stick around for that. And in the meantime, please give the podcast a five-star review if you're enjoying it. Remember to give us a follow, press the notification button, and we've got our email address and all our Twitter usernames in the description as well. Um, so you can find all the important info in there. But yeah, thanks to Chris and Liam for joining me. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next time.